Hello, everybody. Great to see you all. Welcome to the 28th live episode of Ask Abhijit. So let me take a look at who's out there. We have Omkar, Sanika, Abhinav Tripathi, and Ashish Jindal, Rohit Dev Barma, Shweta Joshi, Chandrabhan, Sai Siddharth, Hardik Singh, Sarthak Mathur, Cherry, Ojas Sinha, Sahil Sagvekar, I Umesh, and everybody else, Shreya Khilidar. Hello, everybody. Nice to see you all. It's great to see your smiling faces. So, as you know, today we discuss education. And I had initially planned to actually give a kind of a monologue and uh, give a presentation about the education system, its problems and the solutions that I would like to give. But you guys have asked so many questions. I mean, I'm, I'm blown away with the, with the number of questions you've asked. So that's why I have decided that I will answer your questions today. I will take up a whole bunch of questions from you today uh, that you have asked in the comments. So today will be basically a warm up episode. And next week, I'm going to do a proper presentation about the education system, its history, its problems, and the solutions that we need to implement. Okay, so that so today is a warm-up episode, but I'll, I'm going to answer all your questions today, as many as I can. So with that said, let's get right into it with your questions. So Ashutosh asks, what's the purpose of education according to you? And how does your ideal education system look like? So the purpose of education, see, the education system, its purpose is to serve the country and to serve the students. That's the, that's the purpose of the education system. And so what that means is that the education system is supposed to give the country the best possible people, right? It should uh, empower the students. It should uh, build up their confidence, build up their skills. It should build up their ability to be successful and productive and valuable adults who will contribute the best of their ability to the to the country so it the education system's basic uh, purpose is to ensure that it it allows the students to discover who they are what are their aptitudes and abilities and it should basically help them fulfill their true and complete potential it means that once you are done with the education system you should be confident that you can deal with the world that is the purpose of the education system. And its purpose is to empower the country and ensure that the future generations are capable of taking the country forward in the correct direction. Its purpose is to produce people with all kinds of talents, people who are good at science, people who are good at sport, people who are good at art, people who are good, who are good at technology, people who are good at teaching, and people who are leaders and people who are good at entrepreneurship and business. So its purpose is to maximize your potential. That is the purpose of the education system. And that is what an ideal education system looks like. Now, it's clear that the Indian education doesn't do any of these things. It does the opposite. So that is why this is such an important topic. So it's a good question. It's a great question to start off with. All right. Is education leading to success a dumb idea because only a small minority is going to be successful? 
what should be the objective of education and what outcomes and character should we expect from the education system so uh, only a small minority is going to be successful i mean how does one define success everybody has a different definition of success what is success is becoming becoming a millionaire success is becoming a billionaire success is becoming your the, the chief minister or prime minister success or is basically achieving your full potential in life isn't that success not everybody needs to become a millionaire or a billionaire or a prime minister or president or whatever everybody doesn't have that ambition the success how do you define success success is that you live a happy and fulfilling and productive life that is the true meaning of success everybody is different no two individuals are the same everyone's definition of success needs to be different and that's why we have to discover who true, who we truly are and what our aptitudes are and then we can define our own success today we define success by the by the kind of marks we get in our exams and the kind of job we get and there are only a certain kinds certain kinds of jobs available and that's why we have very narrow definitions of success this needs to change everybody is different everybody should be empowered to achieve their full potential in the direction that is best for them and that is success so i think every single individual every single man woman girl boy can be successful in their own way and they can be happy i mean if you live a happy and fulfilling fulfilling life then that is the best success you can ask for so that is the thing that is what education needs to do it needs it needs to equip students with the tools needed to achieve success that what they define as success on their own terms it does success doesn't mean that you have to defeat somebody success doesn't mean that others have to fail right everybody can succeed together and that is the mark that is the signature of a prosperous country and society so that's what needs to happen and that is the uh purpose of the education system what outcomes in character should we expect in the education system it should tell you what is right and what is wrong it should it should give you the it should equip you with all the tools you need to become a, a confident human being a confident adult who knows that they have the tools and abilities needed to succeed in the world they should be ready to take on the world once they are out of the education system that is the outcome and character that we need they should know what is right what is wrong they should tell be able to tell good from bad they should be able to understand what is the national interest they should be able to understand and value their ancient culture so these are the outcomes in character we seek from the education system and once again india's education system does the opposite and that is why this is such an important topic shubhankari asks what should be the motivation behind studying or learning something and how should a student learn excellent question the motivation behind studying or learning something is see the basic motivation is curiosity you should know what fascinates you you know when when a, when you have a small kid like 2 or 3 years old before they go to school they are so curious they are so imaginative they are fascinated with everything they ask a thousand questions why is the sky blue why do butterflies fly why are flowers the way they are why are they colored in, the, in a certain manner why do ducks look different from crows 
so many questions and this is the curiosity that is the motivation behind studying and learning things now as you grow older you start to understand who you are and in what kind of interests you have and that is essentially what you need to pursue in life in order in order to live a happy and successful and, and fulfilling life so the motivation behind studying or learning anything is to ask yourself what fascinates you what interests you and how can you get better at that it has to be it has to be driven from inside you have need to have the drive from inside today's education system it basically imposes a certain curriculum upon you and nobody has basically any interest in that it is something that's forced upon you it's something that's shoved down your throat for tw- for the first 20 years of your life and that's why there's no motivation the motivation is learning should be self driven self directed that is what we need to have and how should a student learn excellent question you learn we learn by asking questions that's the first thing curiosity you need to be curious ask questions ask questions of your teachers ask questions of yourself ask questions to the internet ask questions to whatever books you have ask questions and secondly skepticism don't believe what your teachers tell you don't believe what i tell you don't believe what your textbooks tell you be skeptical find as many sources of information as you can to answer the same question and then you and then trust your intelligence to tell you which which of these sources is telling you the truth once you start trusting your judgment and and developing the judgment by looking up lots of different sources that's when you start learning and that's when you build the power of discrimination of right and wrong of of the correct answer and the wrong answer so it's a lifelong process you don't learn for only 15 20 years and then you're done with it it's a lifelong process so that is how you learn you learn by asking questions and secondly by being skeptical and thirdly by understanding the scientific method now i cannot teach you the scientific method right now maybe i can do a separate th- thing for that because that's not the topic but learn the scientific method science is essential everybody needs to understand science i'm not saying you should learn quantum physics or rocket science or algebra trigonometry calculus all that i am saying you should understand the very fundamental of science which is the scientific method it's something even a child can understand so you everybody needs to understand that the scientific methodology is the key to success in life right you can be an artist and all but while learning you need to employ the scientific method so these are the keys to success and the keys to learning the right way tanvi asks do you think that education should be free for all if yes then how if no then why not can the internet completely destroy the traditional education system in the long run i'm assuming tanvi that you by, by traditional education system you mean the the current indian colonial education system right so i'm assuming that's what you mean so to answer your first question do i think education should be free for all uh yes absolutely i have said this in the past on this channel i firmly believe that knowledge should be free knowledge should be free knowledge should be available to everyone without imposing a cost cost on the knowledge right education should be free for all if yes then how well the government it is their job to provide education look 
if you look at the history of india you will realize that there were certain things that were always free in india education was always free in indian in india always before the colonial period which is the past 1000 years education was always free it was open to everybody girls boys whatever stratum of society or from did not matter it was always open to everybody it was always free and how was this possible the state subsidized education whatever part of india you were living in you would have different kings queens whatever it was their duty to fund every temple every vihara every university and everything was provided for free the entire upkeep in maintenance of the of the university the uh, upkeep and maintenance and uh, living expenses everything of the staff and of the students you did not have to take a big education loan and pay monthly fees or yearly fees and then you you have to find uh, accommodation and pay a monthly rent none of that was there everything was taken care of so that's the first thing education was always taken care of by the state it was free to everybody and if you were good enough to go to a higher level even that was free at the highest level also education was free and not just to indians even to people from other countries xuanzang the chinese uh, monk who came to india has very clearly recorded all this so education has traditionally been free in india secondly healthcare has always been free in india even during the princely states time during british occupation of india healthcare used to be free even right after so called independence in 47 48 until the princely states were abolished and destroyed uh, healthcare was still free so education should be free healthcare should be free and social services should be free these are the three characteristics of a civilized society and what this tells you is that india is not a civilized society today and neither is the west which has commercialized education india is blindly following the western capitalistic model in which everything has a price education is is something that only those who can afford it can get healthcare well if you are rich you will get healthcare if you are poor too bad rest in peace you know so this is the kind of stupid regressive backward system that india has adopted from the west and that is a crying shame it needs to change so yes education should be free will the internet destroy this uh, the current 21st century education system i think it is already undermining all this uh, the value of the degrees and the value of the universities and colleges everything is online now it's a great thing and uh, it needs to be taken to its logical conclusion so yes it it is definitely already uh, undermining this very poor education system that we have it's it's basically digging the grave for the system and i hope that things will change soon abhishek asks how can the education be equal for poor and rich students when the needs and requirements are different see abhishek i disagree with uh, this uh, uh, assumption that the needs and requirements of poor and rich students are different the requirements and needs are, are all the same they all need the same education they all need the same tools needed to succeed in life that's all every student needs whether they are rich or poor boy or girl whatever religion they are whatever language they speak whatever so called caste they are from whatever it is everybody has the same requirements a good and an a good education system a good education an education that empowers them to succeed in life and to achieve their full potential so it is what that is what's needed and today that's not the case right obviously we have all these problems in our education system so what how can it be made equal 
well by reforming the education system it's simple make education compulsory and free and make it convenient make it online there are lots of reforms can, that can be done today because of technology you know technology can empower the people of india if the government of india so chooses so it's simple make it free make it a universal right make it the government's duty to provide high quality top class free education system in a way that is convenient to everyone all right so how do you think the government should fund the education system because if we want to provide first class education to every kid in our country it will cost hundreds of billions of dollars per year or should we make a merit system and provide the best education to the most brilliant kids in our country very good question you are absolutely right education providing first class education to every kid in the country will cost hundreds of billions of dollars per year uh yeah it will it will call it will definitely cost billions of dollars per year maybe tens of billions i don't think it will cross several hundreds of billions of dollars i don't think so it's possible to scale it using technology and uh, make it cost effective so how should the government fund the education system right you know the chinese uh they reformed their education system starting from the late 20th century the past 3 decades they have been reforming their education system step by step by step by step iterative reforms of the system and they have invested not hundreds of billions of dollars into it they have invested trillions of dollars into reforming and revamping and overhauling completely their education system they have invested trillions of dollars into this and they started doing this when their gdp was less than what india's gdp is today so they have always had this ambition and this clear vision of where they want to be so they started making these enormous investments in the system education system when they were a third world country when they were poorer than india when their overall gdp was smaller than what our gdp is today so if they could do it if they had the gumption and the will and the vision to do it even when they were poor then why is india not doing something similar today it is definitely possible does it does it in, does the indian government have the money for it hell yes it has all the money in the world it all depends on where they invest the money today the money is being invested in populist schemes that will get you votes kisan 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 things need to change we need a clear vision we need the right leadership in order to take the country forward everything is possible we have the money the country has the money i mean what are we paying taxes for okay people will say that very few people pay income tax in the country okay i agree what about everything else every time you make a purchase of anything there is a tax on it there is vat i mean there is gst and what not first of all you pay income tax so you the salary you get is already taxed on top of that any time you buy anything at all you are being taxed again we are getting petrol oil from the middle east at a certain rate it is being sold to the citizens at at least twice or thrice the rate so the government is taxing everything it has enormous revenues so why is this revenue not being utilized correctly that's my question it can be done the government does have the funds to do this Kostov asks does the indian government have 
enough financial res- uh, abilities to run free, good, and competitive education for, st- for students till their graduation. Yes, like I said, the Indian government does have it. It has enormous streams of revenue, in- enormous sources of revenue. Income tax is the least of these. Even if we abolish income tax, the government will still earn enormous amounts of money from taxation itself. There is taxes on everything. Every service, every good, everything is taxed. Right? I mean, petrol, like I said, petrol is, is uh, priced at like two or three times the actual cost. Any service that you get, if you if you buy a house, you have to pay a tax on that. If you buy a car or a vehicle, you have to pay tax on that. If you uh, go to a restaurant and, and, and have a... Have a have a meal there, you're going to pay tax on that. You buy vegetables, you're going to pay tax on that. And every municipality levies an additional tax on every small business, which is off the books, FYI. It's a weekly tax that is not used for the country. It's used for the... for for. I'm not saying every municipality would be doing this, but I would think many would be doing that. Yeah, I'm not naming names, but yeah. So there are all these taxes that are imposed on the people, but though that money is not used for the country, it is time that this money is used for the service of the country and its people. Because the highest moral, Vishnu Gupta Chanakya said, the highest morality for the king is that his kingdom and his people should prosper. That's the only duty a king has. And that applies to every other leader that we have today in our colonial governance system. So yes, India does have enough financial abilities to run excellent world-class free and competitive education system for the students until until they finish their education. Clearly it does. Kavita asks, how do we end tuition culture? According to a report, a huge number of parents have taken loans in order to pay coaching class fees for competitions like JEE, NEET, and UPSC. This is the bane of India, this coaching class culture, this tuition culture. I mean, it's all because of this competitive competitive exams that are like there once a year. If, if you fail, then your entire year is wasted, you know. And it's also because there is such a scarcity of high quality education there are only a few few iits and a few other big institutions and the entirety of the country's student population is desperate to get into those and therefore it is the the entrance systems exams are so competitive and that's what these coaching classes they they exploit this problem and the government actually is very happy with the system you know it it is uh, empowering the coaching classes in this entire system. So it is basically a parasitical system that is leeching of the country. It is providing no real value. So how do we end this? We need reforms in education. We need very significant reforms in the education system. I mean, these exams, first of all, why can't we have enough IITs? Why can't we have at least one IIT in every state? Minimum. I would say there should be one IIT in every district. Why can't we do this? Every student who is who is capable of rising to that level of education should get that education. Why should it? Why should there be a scarcity of of uh, of seats in these institutions? Every single student who is capable of studying at the level should be allowed to study at that level, right? That's that would do away with this need for these horrific, hyper competitive exams. So this is all because of the scarcity culture that is that is a, a, a leftover from the Nehruvian regime era. 
and we are still continuing that socialistic practice of of creating artificial scarcities for everything if india were to invest like you said like someone said hundreds of billions of dollars into the education system then this artificial scarcity will end right so these are the reforms that we need in this country we need massive investments into education akash asks do you think coding is a crucial skill and should be taught to every student from earlier classes i think coding is an extremely important skill the future is all high tech the future is all online technology is the future so coding is definitely going to be one of the core skill sets that will allow you to basically uh, excel in life if you know coding then you will and if you keep on learning new new coding languages and uh, software packages etc then it's going to really make things very easy for you you will basically have employment not employment but you will have always you will always have a stream of income so coding is definitely a, a crucial skill and, and it's and it's easy it's just logic you know everyone most students in india are afraid of mathematics and the reason for that is that they're not taught mathematics properly in in their kindergarten and primary school level and once your foundations are bad you can never learn higher skills and that's why everyone is scared of mathematics actually mathematics is the easiest skill to acquire if you're taught properly it's the easiest thing in the world mathematics but it has to be taught properly from the very beginning and the same goes for coding coding is just logic everybody can learn coding most people can learn coding and and basically you can become a full stack developer starting from absolutely zero within 12 months that's how easy it is to learn coding and everything all the information is available online for free you can get full entire courses high quality courses in any programming language online on youtube and other places for free and you don't need to buy expensive uh, hardware to do coding or software to do coding most of the tools you need are all free available online all you need is a computer a laptop that's it so i think coding is something all youngsters should learn uh, i think everybody can learn it it's not difficult at all and it is something that will really empower you and and ensure that you are never uh, you are never held hostage by the degree system and the and the <laughs> and the employment system and all you can live your entire life as a freelancer if you're a good coder if you have a good portfolio which is not hard to create so yes i think everybody should learn it in their free time uh and yeah the education system should also uh focus on coding if one were to change the system it's something that will definitely come in very handy for everybody and for the country as well AJ asks what's my take on on coding platforms which are taking huge money from parents of 5 year olds for the education that's already freely available it's a scam it's a scam and people need to understand that you don't need to pay any money to learn coding everything is available online for free you just know you just need to know where to look just go to youtube and check out whatever i mean if, if you're learning i mean one of the most popular languages today is python to start off with beginner's language you will find lots of python courses on youtube lots and lots of them you know entire playlists you can start from scratch and become a proper proficient coder and the same goes for html css javascript what not so i think it is it is it is terrible that these coding platforms are taking advantage of the fact that elder that older people don't understand technology 
and they are afraid of it so they they want to invest uh, money into all this you know you can learn everything for free so this is a scam and i'm i'm i'm, I'm disappointed that it is proliferating today nishant asks i think we are ruining our regional and national languages by using english words and phrases in our day to day conversation we are shrinking our languages vocabulary will studying in our mother tongue solve the problem and can it be implemented nationwide and learning english only as a language yes studies have shown worldwide that students that children learn any concept best in their mother tongue and therefore this requirement to first learn a foreign language and then learn various concepts in education it is a concept that is way past its 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 date you know and this demonstrates that we are so mentally colonized our leadership is so mentally colonized our entire system is so colonized even today i mean the british left 70 years ago but we are still using everything that the british gave us i mean which they imposed upon us their language their colonial judicial system their colonial bureaucracy their colonial ips their colonial uh, parliamentary system everything and our so called leaders are so invested in the system that brought them to power that they don't want to change anything and therefore india needs some leaders who are willing to destroy the system that brought them to power and remake it in a way that it serves the country and so yes i am very much very strongly in favor of of eliminating english completely and having a two language system instead of of, of the three language or five language system that we have today mother tongue and a civilizational language that's it no english we don't need english do the chinese study english those chinese who go to the us they do learn english but china is progressing so rapidly without the use of english there is this misconception among india indian people that english is the language of science and technology what absolute nonsense do the japanese develop their entire all their technology in 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 english japan is the most technologically advanced nation in the world everything is done in japanese their entire education system is in japanese their Eng- their english is very poor and they are perfectly happy with it and, so, and the same goes for the for the chinese everything is in chinese so why are we so obsessed with english it is hampering this country it is hampering the progress of every child it is it is pulling the country backward we need to do away with english in our education system the reason why english is uh, so important is because every job interview is conducted in english if you don't know english then you're looked upon as a as an inferior person etc so it has to start with the education system and there and the government needs to give clear guidelines to every corporation and everybody that you need to do away with english it has to come from the top so yes it will really help the country if all the education is done in the mother tongue and in a civilizational language only two languages no english no foreign language AJ asks why is higher education only given in the english language well that continues with the previous question because india's system is a colonial system the british never really left see basically uh india was given independence it was 
independence was given to india we did not take independence from the british the way to take independence from a foreign occupier is by destroying that person is by defeating them in warfare or in battle it is all about violently overthrowing the foreign occupying regime when you do that you gain independence on your own terms and therefore the leadership that emerges out of that independence is a leadership that strongly opposes every foreign thing that was imposed on your country and that's when you start straight away with decolonization now when the foreign occupier hands over independence to you as a gift then they do it on their terms and they will hand over power to people they prefer and that's what happened in india so the power was handed over to we know who right we know what happened and therefore we got independence on the terms that the british set and that's why everything is still continuing as if the british never left and that is why higher education is still only given in the english language and that's why all our politicians are invested in the system that the british gave us so that that is the reason we are still colonized we have never decolonized the moment a foreign invader leaves the first thing you have to do is to undo everything they have done because whatever they did whatever they imposed upon you was for their own benefit not for your benefit so that is the first thing that needs that should have been done after the british left that was to undo everything it was to remove every british system and institution and start from scratch with an indian system so even now we have not done that and that is why we are still conversing in english and learning in english namrata asks what should be the place of english as a subject in the indian education system school level and higher we need to in- eliminate english entirely that is the place of english it has no business being in the indian education system it is an inferior language which is ironic consider considering the fact that i am talking to you in english but that is the state of the country today we are all mentally colonized myself included unfortunately aditya asks should sanskrit be made the official language of india and how can this task be carried out when there are so many people in our country and government who will oppose this initiative should sanskrit be made the official language of india 100% yes that is the only language that has the stature of being the civilizational language of india for thousands of years it is the language that we exported throughout asia even today in indonesia and other places people have sanskrit names and we ourselves are are basically renouncing our civilizational heritage the only language that has the status that can regain the status of a civilizational language of a national language is sanskrit i know many people will not like it they will say this is sanskrit imposition this is dravid what uh, aryan imposition northian imposition imposition what utter nonsense the chola dynasty the chola empire the great magnificent glorious chola empire spread sanskrit and hinduism hinduism throughout southeast asia all the way up to the philippines right they were tamil speaking people they spread sanskrit and please don't tell me that people in malaysia etc speak tamil that's because the cholas uh, uh, spread tamil there no the people in malaysia and other countries who speak tamil are a consequence are there because of british colonial practices they sent lots of indians there to work for them etc 
That's why there are Tamil-speaking people in Singapore, Malaysia, etc. It's not because of the Cholas, FYI. The Cholas spread Sanskrit and Hinduism throughout Southeast Asia because it is India's civilizational language. There is no Tamil versus Sanskrit war. It is only something that has been created after independence by these uh, southern Indian politicians for their own personal gain. Okay? So the only language that deserves to be the national language, official language in India is Sanskrit. And we can revive it. Of course, there will be so many people in the country and the government who will oppose this initiative. And that's why India needs a leader who can impose this, who can impose his will or her will on the nation and do what is right for the country despite the opposition. That is called leadership. We don't have that leadership today. There is no such thing as leadership by consensus. There is no such thing as reforms by consensus. We will do the reform when everyone is on board. I will take a decision as a leader only when everyone agrees. What nonsense. Leadership is about facing opposition, staring the opposition down and doing what is best for your people regardless of any opposition. That is called leadership. Do we have that today? Ask yourselves. So it has to be done regardless of any any opposition. People will oppose. Every leader faces opposition. Every great leader has faced a great deal of opposition, but they have still succeeded in doing the right thing. We need leadership of that stature today. Okay, this is the next question. Yes, it's a fact that the Indian education system is outdated. But how do we convince our parents that going through this outdated system doesn't guarantee a successful career? And there are so many other ways that to acquire skills that could make you earn money. How do we change our parents' mindset? That's a good question. You know, after people reach a certain age, they become set in their thinking, in their ways, and they basically refuse to, to learn anything new and to entertain different ideas from what they have been brought up believing. And I think this age is around the age of 40. After that, people become very, very rigid. And that's just human nature. Okay, that's not a character defect. (laughs) It's just human nature. And so how can you convince your parents? You basically can't convince your parents. It's it's very hard to, to change people's opinions. And well, they obviously want what is best for you in their in their opinion and they think what's best for you in their opinion in their experience is going through this horrific education system and getting a nice stable low paying sarkari job government job or some private job and having a long steady slow career until you yourself get old i mean that's what generations of indians have been brought up because that was the only safety net they had there because In the 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, even the 2000s, there were very few private jobs. The only way to have a secure, stable life was a government job. And the only way to get a government job was to go through the the grind of the system, education system, and get a paper degree in your hand and then apply, please, sir, please give me a job. That was the only way to have a stable life. So I understand their mindset. It's not their fault. They want what's best for you. So you may not be able to convince them. What I would say is that, I mean, obviously your parents are the ones who are funding your education. So you're going to have to go along with that. I would say that you need to invest some time in yourself in addition to whatever you're learning in the system and spend some extra time learning some skills online. 
for free so acquire some skills do some extra work hustle like people would say learn extra skills and then use that in in your in the in the future in your career that's the only solution you have if you are a student who is dependent on his or her parents for education because until you start earning you are clearly dependent on your parents and well they have certain beliefs and you can't change those okay om bausar asks why have, why do our parents think that only the english medium schools are best but when you say when you think about it this english medium schools are only spreading their culture over the world what are my thoughts see our parents everyone's parents well they have grow, grown up in the system and today it is still true that if you don't speak english well then you will not get a good job unfortunately the first thing they look at they look into is how well do you speak english what sort of accent do you speak in how fluent is your english how well do you speak it how good is your vocabulary are you confident if you if you are good at english then it becomes like uh, 10 times easier to then pass the to then go through the rest of the job interview process so unfortunately in the system that we are in today in this country english is is a prerequisite for any kind of success and that's why your parents are right to think today as of today that english medium students uh, schools are the only way for students to succeed in life until this system is changed this is going to continue unfortunately so that's why it is up to the government to change this and to and to end this monopoly of english over the education system and the job market so your parents are right in thinking that because if you don't speak english if you don't learn english properly then you are going to have a lot of trouble getting a good job or a high paying job unfortunately that is a situ- situation that we are in today and you are right these english medium schools they spread foreign culture then foreign values and and foreign morality and all that and which is basically antith- antithetical to indian culture and indian morality so that is the unfortunate situation we are in today so that's why we need education reforms richik says i'm a class 12 student and i'm honestly just way too confused i have no clue about what to do what would you say to confused students like me who are just unhappy with the education system and have no clue about what they want to do look richik when you are in class 12 it is natural for you to be confused it's too early for you to know anything it's too early to figure out how the world works you don't know what's there in the future you don't know what the educate what the job system is like what the future is going to be like it's natural to be confused so don't feel bad that you're confused i'll tell you what you need to do you need to educate yourself beyond the education system you need to go through the 12th standard or whatever exam in college or whatever it is in order to be a go- a good candidate for the job market but it's quite possible that in the vi- five, next 5 to 10 years the job market will change entirely completely it's very possible so what you need to do is learn certain skills skills is the most important thing first of all if you are good at uh, i think every student is good at this learn coding like i said to akash learn coding learn various skills like that uh, understand how the internet works Uh, learn coding learn things like uh, if you are if you have if you have the aptitude for this uh, graphic design etc which you can learn online 
and skills like that skills that are that are going to be useful in the long run and also understand finance understand the economy economics understand personal finance learn about entrepreneurship learn about stock market all that these things i mean the one crucial thing the education system doesn't teach us is finance personal finance so once you are out of the education system you are clueless as to how to earn money how to save money what to do with your money how to invest money all those things so learn these things and learn some real life skills such as coding start with python or something learn coding learn web development these things you can learn for free you can learn online so these tools will basically ensure that you are future proof no matter what happens you will have skills that you will be able to leverage and it will ensure that you have a good income so learn these skills learn all these skills that future proof you and learn about personal finance that is essential that's critical to long term success in life learning what money is and how to use money so do that and and things will turn out fine anmol says india has a great amount of engineers it experts and scientists then what's stopping the progress the trillion dollar question india has so many engineers and it people and scientists and degree holders masters degree holders phd holders and why is india not progressing the answer my friends is that these degrees are worthless they don't impart any real skills you have a masters degree a master you're a master in whatever subject you are and yet you don't know how to you don't know anything about the subject the only skill you acquire in the indian education system is to is how to pass exams and how to get good marks in exams that is the only skill you acquire in the indian education system how to get good marks and how to clear exams and how to navigate the horrors of the indian education system you don't really learn any skills let's say you are you are you are learning computer science you're doing a masters degree in computer science you know what what you need to do in order to pass the exam you need to write an essay you need to write essays there is there will be a 3 hour question paper in your first year and again in your second year in which you will be required to write long essays about what is computer science and there will be some stupid project that that you have to do in which you can basically copy paste some code and all that and it will be it'll be fine so that these are the standards that our education system has it's it, these are just rituals that you have to perform if you learn how to perform these rituals then you will get your degree but you will not get any real knowledge of the subject and you will not acquire any real skills so when somebody comes out of the education system with a masters degree in computer science and they get a it job they're clueless as to what to do because they have no actual skills and they have to be taught these skills from zero that is the situation we are in that is the kind of education system we have and that is why despite these millions of engineers and degree holders and so called scientists india is not progressing at all because our education system doesn't give you the tools needed to succeed in whatever discipline you have chosen and secondly because the education system is all about rote memorization like i said and it is it is it completely neglects research and development your professors in whatever institution you are whatever institute you are in what research do they do do they do any original research some of them in iits and some big universities will publish some so called research papers every year which are just rehashes of of old research there is no actual research being done 
in India. There is no scientific R&D at all in the academic system. And these are the reasons why there is zero progress in India, despite having millions of degree holders, engineers, IT experts, scientists, and whatnot. That's the reason. AJ asks, parallel coaching industry in India grew as there was a gap that our education system could not fill. Do you think now the people controlling this massive industry will let any education systems take place? Well, this system, this coaching uh, industry, it is making millionaires. The people who run these coaching classes and these coaching institutions, they are making enormous insane amounts of money out of the system. So so basically they are deeply invested in, in ensuring that this system continues. And they clearly have political clout. Many politicians have ties with them, etc. And that is the reason why there is no progress. That is the reason why more and more coaching classes are coming up. That is the reason why there are so many so-called private universities and private colleges and deemed universities, etc. coming up. It is just an industry. It's a money-making machine that churns out these degrees that are worthless. So that's the thing. They will not, they do not want any education reforms to take place. They are very happy with the system that we have. And that is why I keep saying India needs leaders who are willing to take the bull by the horns and despite whatever opposition is there, do the right thing and reform the system. Clean up the garbage the filth out of the system and basically create a new system from scratch that basically empowers the people and takes the country forward in the right direction. Akash asks, when the degree, when the value of degrees has, uh, has reduced appreciably in the near future, will the value of IITs and other institutes of national importance also plummet? Absolutely. The IITs, basically, they have lost whatever stature they once had. Uh, I think it was in the early 2000s that that reservation system was implemented in the the IITs, not just in the students who could enter the IITs, but also in the the staff. So the entire uh, quality was, was diluted very badly. So there was a time in the early 2000s, in the 90s, etc., when the Indian Institutes of Technology were among the top 10 educational institutes in the world, in the, in the, in the STEM field, science and technology, etc. Today, they, you will not find them even in the top 100 in the world. That's how badly they have fallen, the IITs, and also other institutes of national importance. So all they do is they churn out degrees, and their degrees have a certain value based upon what institution it is. If it's an IIT, it has a certain value. If it is something else, it has a certain value. But now, <laughs> like you say, the value of degrees is, is plummeting. Because now, now that you actually have some private players in the country, some private industries, they want skills. Skills is what matters. If you have a new newcomer come into a company with a degree, you're going to have to train them from zero. On the other hand, if you have somebody who is coming with certain skills, then you won't have to train them from zero and they'll be valuable and productive from day one itself. And therefore, at least the private industry, the private corporations are beginning to recognize that degrees are not that important. Skills are important. So, And in the US, it's already happening. Many companies, many, many big companies like Google no longer require a college degree. And that's going to start in India as well very soon. 
So the value of degrees is going to plummet and the value of the IITs, etc. is also going to plummet very badly. And it's, it is something that needs to happen because these institutions, they don't really perform any real national service anymore today. So yeah, it's going to happen soon. It's already happening. Sarbojit asks, do you think that online study is going to start a new era of Indian education system and will it be the right thing or will it be a blunder? It is the right thing. Times are changing, the world is changing and we have to keep changing with the times. The entire world is online now. You can get any education you want online for free. You will not get a degree for it, but you will get the knowledge and the skills. You can get any knowledge any skills at any level online for free. So yes, online study is definitely revolutionizing education. It is not revolutionizing the education system because the government is not changing the education system. They still want the same degree-based system to continue, but how long will it last? Once it becomes irrelevant in the in the job market, it, it, it will either have to change or nobody will, be, will basically go for degrees anymore. Because once the companies no longer require a degree and they only look at the kind of skills you have, and it's easy to assess somebody's skills. It's very easy to assess a new candidate's skills. So once they start assessing only your skills and, and ignoring the degrees, that is going to be the end of the Indian education system as it exists today. So online study is the key to that. You can get all the skills you want online for free. So yes, it is starting a new era in education in India. And it is hopefully the beginning of the end of the colonial commercial education system that we have today. Abhishek asks, what role will digital education play in the coming years? I think the coming years is going to be only about digital education. Everybody today has a cell phone. Everybody has some access to the internet throughout the country, even though India is still a, a very poor country. Overall, on average, India's per capita GDP is lower than that of Bangladesh today. You know, India's population is larger than that of the entire population of Africa. So India has major challenges. And yet, I think almost everybody is now connected to the internet. So yes, it is possible for every student in India already, almost every student in India, to access digital education. So it is going to revolutionize the... Uh, the way people acquire knowledge. And it's up to the government now what they want to do with it, do about this. They can either keep resisting it like they're resisting Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies, or they can leverage it for the country's good, for the long-term future of the country. So it's for the government to decide. Are they still stuck in the 1970s mindset? Or do they have some people who do <laughs> understand what the 21st century is all about? So whether the government does anything or not, digital education is going to change the world. Anmol asks, in India, exams are given the utmost importance and significance compared to anywhere else in the world, be it in the boards or competitive exams. For some people, it's a do or die situation. How to deal with this exam-centric education system? The first thing is that exams are so important because we have this incredible scarcity of education seats. You have so few IITs, you have so few good, good institutions, and you have hundreds of millions of students every year. 
So there is this artificial scarcity. The government needs to create more institutions. Every district should should have an IIT level institution, an IIM level institution, so that everybody can get the education they deserve. They deserve or require, or else abolish all these institutes altogether, make everything online, and have. So here's the thing. Why? What can we do about this exam-centric system? You know, when when you go for a driving test, is the driving test held once a year? No. Once you are ready and you are confident about your driving skills, you can go and book a driving test any day you like, any day, any week, any any month of the year, any time, in the daytime, or even in the evening, I guess. So the driving test is a test of your skills, whether you are competent in this skill of driving or not. So why can't we have the same system for every other skill? Let's say you want to be certified as a as a programmer in a certain language, or as a as as a, as a scientist. Let's say in chemistry or something, or whatever, right? So, so any topic. Why can't you have? these exams why are the exams held only once a year why can't these exams be held five times a week three 52 weeks of the year and make all the exams online make all the exams accessible to everybody for free you can take the exam 10 times if you want and once you and and it should not and a failure should not count against you if you fail a driving test three times does it count against you you can do the driving test many times and and when you finally succeed you are certified as a as a driver so why can't the same thing be done in education let people take an exam five times and once you are competent enough and you have acquired the skills then you pass the exam at a certain cut off percentage why can't we do this and why can't we have standardization of exams throughout the country you have all these different boards in some places students get 99% marks and even that's not enough to get into a college in some other states even 65% is too much it's very hard to achieve there is so much disparity so you can't even compare the level of the students so we need to have standardization in the country and secondly everything needs to be made online and these high stakes exams need to be need to be done away with every exam entrance exam etc should be available let's say you are a student in the 7th standard and you have already studied a lot why why aren't you eligible to try the 10th standard exam and if you clear the exam then why can't you go straight to 11th why is this option not available so these are the some very simple logical things that can be done to make it easier for students to empower the students to go forward you know so exams should be should be made this this once a year exam thing is is nonsense it is just another way of controlling the students and, and imposing the system's power over the students and their parents and the people of the country so to empower the people every exam needs to be made online and the exam should be available on demand whenever you feel you're ready go and take the exam and see how it goes that's how it should be that will empower the students Nimit asks how should the uh, the education system be reformed to promote creative logical analytical thinking instead of rote learning one of the ways can be open book exams which we had in my university what are some other changes that can be done so i just um, 
I just spoke about some things that can be done. I think this open exam book is a very good uh, open book exam concept is excellent. I know that most teachers and professors in this country would be horrified at the concept, at the idea of open book exams, because according to them, learning means memorizing things, just memorizing long paragraphs of text and then vomiting them out in the exam. But if you have an open book exam, then you can just copy paste, right? So exams need to be about understanding, about knowledge and not about memorization, rote memorization. So the best way to learn any skill is to solve lots of problems. If you are learning mathematics, then you learn by solving lots of problems. If you're learning physics, you learn by solving lots of problems. There's no need to memorize things, memorize certain concepts. So I fully agree that there should be open book exams. And by opening the book, you should be able to access whatever information you don't need to return in your brain. But the exam should test your understanding, not your memory. That's what it is. So yeah, that's a great uh, that's a great idea. It is already done in many Western countries, and India unfortunately relies only on rote memorization, which is a very very. It's something that holds people back because it doesn't give you any knowledge. It's exams are just a test of your memory, not of your actual understanding. So these things need to change. How should we reform the system to promote creative, logical, analytical thinking? instead of rote, rote learning, well, it should the education system should be uh, about acquiring skills and solving problems. If you do that, then automatically you have to be creative and logical and analytical. So the entire um, process of learning should be about solving problems. Even in history, where it's all apparently about memorizing dates, it's not that. You don't learn history by memorizing dates. I mean, people ask me all the time, how do I remember so much about history? The right way to understand history is to understand causality. What causes what? What are the, uh, what drives the, what are the factors that drive the world? What is power? What is influence? Wh how does geopolitics work? What is, what, what are the things that cause other things? What is the cause and effect chain like? When you understand these concepts, then history suddenly suddenly makes a lot of sense, a lot more sense. And then you can start understanding that because a certain thing happened, that's why today we have the situation today. You can start making connections. So again, it's about solving problems that why did this certain situation happen at so, so and so time in history? So you have to try and understand logically and think logically why it happened. That's how you learn. So learning has to be about solving problems and creating solutions. So once you implement that sort of system, that sort of uh, program in the education system, then you, students will automatically become creative and logical and analytical and problem-oriented and solution-oriented. That is the way to do it, not rote learning. So good question. Krishna Saraf asks, what can I do in my own way as a student to try and reform the education system, making it closer to the Gurukul or Dharmic system that worked better for thousands of years? You see, Krishna, unfortunately, there is absolutely nothing you can do. Absolutely nothing you can do as a student to reform the system. We, the citizens, have no power. Nothing. 
the entirety of the power in this country lies with the political class and the bureaucracy and various other so-called institutions. There is absolutely nothing you can do as an individual to reform the system. There is absolutely nothing I can do as an individual to reform the system. All I can do is promote awareness and spread some knowledge. But it is entirely up to the politicians whether they, they wish to bless us with some changes or not. It is entirely up to them. We, the citizens in this so-called democracy, have zero power. We have no power. We have no influence. We can. People have been begging for changes for decades, not just in the education system, in the, in the laws of the country, in the constitution of the country, which is so badly skewed in certain directions. And what are the politicians doing? I mean, you must have heard of this free temples movement. This has been an issue for decades. What is the government doing? So we, the people, have no power, unfortunately, in the system. That's why we need leaders who are actually on our side, who actually serve the people in the country. That's what we need. That's what this country needs to climb out of the colonial bog that is that it is in. That's what we need. Sandeep asks, can we remove the attendance rule so we can learn in other ways? Absolutely. Attendance, the attendance rule that you need to have a certain 70% or 80% or 90% attendance. It is just another way of controlling you. It's just another way of showing you who's the boss, who's in power, who's in charge. Why do you need attendance? Today, I'm glad that we have this online learning. This so-called pandemic has at least done away with the so-called attendance rule. But I think now they are, they are making it mandatory to attend online and all that. This is nonsense. This power that the education system has over the students, is, is, it, is, it is not doing any good to the students. All that is required of the education system is that the student learns. And learning can be done in any way. You don't have to be present and listen to that dull, monotonous teacher droning on, saying, repeat after me, repeat after me, listen to me, and reading out from a book. Who needs that? You can learn on your own. Everybody has, is born with a certain intelligence. Indians are the most intelligent people in the world. So this attendance rule is another colonial leftover that needs to be done away with. I absolutely agree with you, Sandeep. Pushkar asks, the department-related parliamentary standing committee on education under the new education system has asked for suggestions from teachers in rewriting the history textbooks. What all suggestions could have been given? The suggestions have been asked from the citizens. There is this uh, online portal, I think, and there's this email address where you can send an email suggesting what changes need to be made in the, in the uh, history textbooks, etc., Okay, so let's take a look at this. What's the population of India? Let's, it's, it's 1.3 billion, 1.3 something billion. Let's round it up to 1 billion. Now, how many, what percentage of Indians will send a suggestion to this, uh, about this? Let's say 1%. No, let's say 0.1% because most people don't care. But let's say out of the 1 billion people in India, 0.1% people will send an email with some suggestions. So that is 10 million people. Is it 10 million people? Or 
is yeah it's 1 million people yeah 0.1% of a billion is 1 million so let's say 1 million people respond okay and let us say the email is at least 100 words long it's going to be longer than that let's say just for the sake of argument it's 100 words so the total number of words this so called parliamentary standing committee in, will receive they will receive a total of 100 million words of suggestions now i can assure you that the entirety of the of this syllabus is less than 100 million words it is easier to go through the entire syllabus for these experts and find the problems themselves instead of reading 100 million words of emails do you understand this entire process that they have implemented is self defeating it is much more work to read the emails and suggestions than to read the textbooks themselves and find the solutions on their own on your own as experts why can't the government simply appoint a committee of 10 20 50 100 experts in these subjects who will on their own find the problems as experts and implement the right solutions instead of putting all the onus and responsibility on the citizens who will send hundreds of millions of words which these experts now now have to read this is a stupid process you cannot ask the people to give a, to to give suggestions and then we will implement them on the basis of democracy no leadership is not about implementing things by by consensus it's about appointing experts who are competent enough to determine on their own where the problems lie and to solve these problems and to rectify the textbooks this is my view on it i have sent my suggestion but come on this is a really stupid way of doing things ajay dubey asks why is teaching hinduism banned in the education system but teaching other religions is not banned while it's very simple ajay and my friends it's because india is the world's most hindu phobic country india's laws are hindu phobic in there are sections in india's constitution that are explicitly hindu phobic and india's government policies everything are hindu phobic the so called rte act right to education act is hindu phobic they've given it a very nice name right to education act act rte act but if you actually examine the text of this act it is blatantly hindu phobic so india is the world's most hindu phobic country whether you realize it or not because hindus in india have been for centuries so mentally conditioned in accepting these discriminatory practices that they don't even realize how hindu phobic the system is hindus have more rights in the united states than in india hindus have more rights in europe in india than in india there is more equality for hindus in the united states or in europe than in india and that is the reason why teaching hinduism is banned but teaching other religions is very much welcome in india's education system pratiksha asks i believe that the edu- that the reservation system proves to be an obstacle to the overall growth of our country what are my views about this you see reservation i think the intent behind the reservation system was good it was um, to provide better opportunities to people who are fro- who are 
underprivileged because of uh, historical reasons, because of what happened during the colonial era, during the foreign occupation era of India. But I think that the reservation system, basically it, it defeats the entire concept of merit. Today the reservation system has been gamed. It has been hacked. And people use it to progress and climb over other people. Reservation system is, is a terrible burden on the country. If you have to have a reservation system, it should be not on the basis of your so-called caste. It should be on the basis of your financial and economic status. That's all. And the best way to ensure equality is to make education completely free for all. It should be state-funded, state-subsidized. That entirely, completely, totally solves the problem. So yes, the reservation system is a terrible burden on the country. It's an obstacle to the growth of the country. A country which is not a meritocracy is, is going to go nowhere. You need to have a, a strict meritocracy in order to have a to to have a good future you know so that's what needs to happen and the best solution is to completely do away with uh, exam fees and and uh, entrance fees and tuition fees and all that make the entire education system completely free for everybody then there's no need for reservations that's it and again in the case of these academic staff there should be no reservations i mean that that's what's destroying the quality of education so yeah, I agree with you that the reservation system is a terrible obstacle to the overall growth and progress and the future of the country. Moni Deepa says, uh, asks, do I think that homeschooling would be better than following our current mainstream education system? I think homeschooling is the best solution if the parents are able to do it because it is definitely a big responsibility. So parents who are working, who have jobs, they won't be able to do homeschooling. I mean, after they come back from work, will they have the energy to invest another couple of hours in homeschooling the children? So it is definitely something that people should take seriously, take up seriously if they have the time to do it. It will definitely ensure that your children get a better education than the current mainstream education system. Definitely. And I think more and more people are now adopting homeschooling. It is a very good trend. So those people who have the time and the resources to do it, those who can afford it, they should definitely go for homeschooling. I completely agree with it. Aditya asks, do you think the new education policy will change India's education system entirely? No. It does nothing. It is like putting a band-aid on a gunshot wound. Nothing else. It is all cosmetic changes. It doesn't address the real issues in any way. I don't think the new education system is any kind of any change in the right direction. No. Sovik Chaudhary asks, the education system in India is outdated in technical colleges. We are taught subjects which are not relevant in real life. Why don't they reform the syllabus and introduce Subjects like artificial intelligence, cybersecurity, big data, and make it more skill-based. Secondly, why isn't it that sports is made a mandatory subject in Indian schools? As in many countries, sports is mandatory. Very good questions. 
you need we need to have a full well rounded life children should not be forced to only study all day and that's it children should go out enjoy the sunlight enjoy sports be physically fit physically active sports should be made mandatory i i'm not saying everybody should be forced to go to the gym and lift weights or everybody should be forced to go and play a certain sports no everybody is different everybody is a f- different physique different body everybody should be allowed to play any sport that is best for them and best suited for them so these things need to be present in the education system so i agree sports should be made if not mandatory it should be definitely available as an option for every student so yeah i agree with that secondly yeah the education system is outdated we are not taught any relevant subjects we are still taught english literature whatever on earth that is we are still taught commerce <laughs> what is commerce why are we why aren't we taught entrepreneurship we are not taught entrepreneurship we are taught commerce we are taught history and civics i mean we are taught everything that was taught in the 19th century and the 20th century our system hasn't caught up with the 21st century we need to introduce relevant subjects and we need to have skill based education we need to have vocation based education that is what the country needs and the education system the so called new education policy is is basically doing nothing to address these concerns and these issues so i agree education should be skill based education should be vocation based not everybody wants to be a be an academician and that's why people don't need masters degrees i think after the 12th standard you should you should have these vocational courses diplomas one year diploma in in it or two year diploma in in full stack web development or one year diploma in graphic design or cyber security artificial intelligence big data whatever we need to have this focused laser focused one year and two year degree courses or diploma courses that will prepare you for with actual skills that you will take from the education system with a great deal of confidence that you can go and actually solve real world problems that's what needs to be done the new education policy does not address any of these things in any amount of well at any significant level unfortunately Joseph asks are kids mature enough to learn history we have been under the invasion and occupation of foreigners for a thousand years how can we teach them the reality without generating unnecessary hatred towards the current day generation of invaders what's the right way to teach history very good question joseph firstly i don't think that there is any current generation of invaders the people in india the indian citizens who follow foreign religions they are not invaders they are not the descendants of invaders they are the, they are they are our own people whose anve- whose ancestors had to go through horrible experiences and what happened happened at that time so yeah good question are kids mature enough to learn history i think kids are mature enough to learn history we have to face the world we have to face reality it can be introduced to kids in a gradual phased manner but it is essential it is crucial to learn our true history it is you we will we will never have a future unless we know our past the past is horrific i know 
what happened in the past 1000 years is the most horrific episode in human history and uh, for some reason it is all entirely whitewashed out of our history textbooks so it needs to be taught without generating without see basically the simple fact is that nobody who lives in india today is any is in any way responsible for what happened over the past 1000 years it is no one's fault the people who did those atrocities aren't alive today and the people who are alive today in india are not responsible for what people did in the past so as long as this is communicated clearly to students to students then they will be able to learn history without without generating any kind of hatred or rancor or ill will towards anybody towards any section of india society so we have to make it very clear that all indian citizens are the same we are all descendants of the same great civilization we are all equal we all have equal rights equal privileges and whatever happened in the past is not the fault of anybody who is alive today but we have to address the past we have to know the truth we need to know the figures and statistics and the truth of what really happened and that's it and so we have to understand the lessons of history unless we understand the lessons of history unless we learn these lessons we will keep on making the same mistakes over and over again and that is what the current system is designed to be it is designed to lead indian citizens down the same path of self destruction so yes we need to be taught history but it has to be put across in the right manner that's all okay good question india hasn't produced a sing a science nobel laureates who lives and works in india since cv raman what do you think needs to change in our education system and research institutions to make that possible again okay so firstly what needs to be done at the primary level kids need to be taught mathematics properly our teachers are incompetent today they teach mathematics in a horrible fashion which ensures that children never really are able to learn higher mathematics because if the very foundations are faulty then you can never progress further so first of all teach maths properly math is the easiest subject in the world to learn despite what you may think it's the easiest subject in the world to learn if it is taught the right way first of all like i said learn math teach math properly secondly teach the scientific method this is what needs to happen in the in the primary education system the and in the higher education system the entire system needs to be based on research so basically what we have today is even in the bachelor's degree level or master's degree level or or even phd level there is no real focus on actual research the quality of research is pathetic in india i mean look at i mean just take a look at the average phd thesis in any science physics chemistry biology mathematics the quality of the average indian phd is abysmal it is not the fault of the students it's the fault of the professors in the education system so this needs to change our higher education system at the masters degree level and the in the phd level should be fully focused on actual genuine research so we need to get rid of the current crop of academicians who have who have been brought up in this environment where the only factor that leads to promotions is your ability to play politics <laughs>
so these people so the system basically it promotes mediocrity it destroys th- talent that is what the education system is currently about so the the majority of india's professors i would say more than 95% are mediocre and they need to be replaced and i can say this openly because i am no longer associated with india's education system with the academic system so yeah that's what needs to happen so if certain changes like these are made then we will be able to produce high quality researchers young people who do very good world class research secondly the nobel prizes they are highly political i would recommend uh, there is this book very very famous book the beautiful mind a beautiful mind there's a movie made about it it's the uh, life story of john forbes nash so in this book there is a very good exposition of the dirty politics that is involved in the selection of the nobel prize winners it's all political the indian the great indian physicist uh what's his name george the sudarshan he should have won a nobel prize three times there were three nobel prizes awarded to other people for work that he did so that's the kind of bias that you have in the nobel prizes so indians should not aspire for nobel prizes indian politicians should not aspire for nobel prizes indian scientists should not aspire for nobel prizes what we need is we need to have our own prizes why can't we have a brahmagupta prize or an aryabhatta prize in in the sciences why can't we have a madhava prize or a ramanujan prize in mathematics and so on and these prizes should not be token prizes you get a medal and 10000 rupees no 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 these should be genuine prizes each prize should be i would say 10 crore rupees just imagine the kind of research that will start coming out of india when you have that sort of prize at stake every year one person will get 10 crore rupees for their research and it should be given awarded only to real world quality world class research so these are some simple things that we can do in india to change the entire system and the in the entire paradigm of research akash asks how can we stop the brain drain so let's understand the causes of the brain drain students in india the brain drain hap- happens at the higher levels of education right once you are at the masters degree level or the phd level that's when people leave the country mostly forever for good why does it happen let's say you are in an iit in india you go to the iit with great expectations it's one of the great institutes in the country and what do you find you find mediocre teachers who are not interested in any real research you find that the that the assembly hall and the conference room and the washroom all cost crores of rupees the equipment there costs crores of rupees but you find that your lab has equipment that's 10 20 30 years old it's obsolete so you can't really do any real research there any real technological research you find that the administrators who run the iits and other institutions they invest all the money that is supposedly to be invested in science in the wrong places they invested in these million dollar washrooms million dollar uh, auditoriums etc so then you get demoralized as a student and you find that these teachers they don't really care about the subject they have no passion for the subject and then you find that even if you are a good student you are not valued 
and you find that the bureaucracy treats you like garbage you find that the job market also is very competitive and there's not much you can achieve and that's why you leave the country and that is the reason for the brain drain everybody loves the country people prefer to live in their country you go to the us you will find that indians still congregate together they are happy in each other's company they still want to recreate a, a part of india over there so they desperately miss the country they love the country but the country doesn't value talent the country doesn't reward talent and that's why they are forced to leave the country so once the system changes once india becomes a meritocracy once once india does away with this reservation system once india rejects mediocrity in the education system in the professors in the teachers and the staff etc and when india starts rewarding talent fully that's when the dra- the brain drain will be stopped see how china has done it very simple very good example the chinese have reversed the brain drain they still have people all over the world but they use those people as strategic assets so there's a lot of india can learn from china on how to reverse this brain drain and 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 how to reform the education system mainam franco singh asks i have seen many of my colleagues not knowing much about indian history what they know is just moguls and independence so called struggle tell us what went wrong and what can be done in order to shape the future of india because the present generation needs unity and understanding of their ancestors to get motivated and more proud of ourselves yes the so what went wrong what went wrong is that the british handed over power to people of their choice they handed power after independence to basically the people who continued the same legacy and the same system right we got independence on the terms that were given to us by the by the british we did not get independence on our own terms because we did not snatch independence from them we took it as if it's a great donation so that's why the system has continued and the system was designed to make P- indians ashamed of themselves it was designed to give in- indians the wrong information about their past and about their ancestry about their ancestors and so that indians would always keep on feeling ashamed of themselves and their ancestors and the main purpose of the system is to divide indians divide north from south east from west tamil from sanskrit gujarati from marathi manipuri from nagaland and god knows what you know kashmir from india now bengal from india the entire purpose of the education system the academic system is to divide the country go and look into any humanities department in india and see the kind of so called research papers they're producing it's all about division it's all about identity politics go and see what the so called tata institute of social sciences or whatever tiss is producing the kind of so the kind of alleged research they produce see the see the titles see the topics so the education system basically it acts as a tool of foreign powers who wish to de- divide and destroy india right it doesn't serve as as an as an institution that will take the country forward so what is needed my friend is the entire overhaul of the academic system not some small cosmetic changes here and there not a little bit of syllabus change here oh now we have certain things in our syllabus come on the entire system needs to be changed so that's what needs to happen it's a, it's a big ask for sure and 
to run a to 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 run a country as large as india you need a superhuman leader if you look at the leaders in the past 2000 years if you study the history of the past 2000 years you will see what kind of leaders india needs think about the great leaders the past 2000 years kanishka the great the great emperor you had uh, samudra gupta the great emperor samudra gupta you had uh, the great uh, who else do we have we have so few great leaders don't we the great chhatrapati shivaji maharaj so the, these are people who unified the country didn't they and they were really tall leaders great leaders superheroes in a way so these people have certain characteristics even look at other countries the kind of great people who have unified countries after strife the great chinggis khan who came out of nowhere and unified a nation that was fragmented for centuries if you look at mustafa kemal ataturk who brought turkey back from the brink of disaster after the collapse of the ottoman empire all of these great people they have certain characteristics they are all young men they are all young men think about lord ram how old was he when he did these great deeds he was in his 20s for the sake of the gods he went and fought the great war in lanka and rescued his wife back when he was in his 20s think about any great leader in this country when have they done the greatest deeds in their life when they were young india needs young leaders look at india's political leadership today the if you look at the past history the oldest of these great leaders is chinggis khan he started his career as a great leader as a conqueror when he was in his mid 40s mid to late 40s but he was a one in 2000 years kind of person so the kind of india the kind of leaders india needs is younger people because older people are set in their ways they have outdated ideas i'm not saying they are bad people or they want something bad for the country but they don't have the energy and the passion and the understanding of technology in the 21st century the way younger people have india needs younger leaders and that has to come from the education system the education system should pro- produce and promote leaders not political leaders like these student leaders and all that azadi azadi that is nonsense man india needs real leaders and that needs to come from the education system and leadership has to be young i'm not saying all leaders should be young we need to have a good mix i'm not i am not against older people please it's not that way older people are much wiser than younger people but younger people have more energy and enthusiasm than older people so india needs a good blend a good mix of various age groups but it's always historically been seen that it is younger leaders who take the country forward so these are some of the lessons of history my friends so uh Thank you very much for all the questions. It's been way over ninety minutes. Uh, so I'm gonna. Shall I take a few live chat questions? Shall I? Okay, let me take a couple of live chat questions. Sudanshu, uh, one second. Let me remove this. Okay, Sudanshu. Uh, Sudanshu says lack of self-respect is why most Indians underestimate their own historical greatness and lack leadership qualities. how do you think this self respect can be restored simply by knowing your true history 
if we are we are not taught our real history and that's why we don't have the self respect once we learn our true history the pre invasion history of india then we will know how great this country was and how immense the achievements of our ancestors were in all fields in science in architecture in in uh, in the arts in culture in conquests beyond india everything in the military domain in every sphere all indians need to to all that needs to happen is that indians need to be taught their real history through without the intervening lens of any political ideology that's all that's all that needs to happen aditi asks we can't change the entire system how to start small and how can we as a research fellow change this well the system is the system unless the government changes nothing will happen how can we as a research fellow or as individuals change it the most we as individuals the most an individual can do as a student is to acquire skills outside of the education system acquire skills on their own as an extracurricular activity so it is not part of your education curriculum but you will invest some more time in yourself in your own future by acquiring additional skills in your free time that is the best you can do as of today and the best you can do to serve the country is to fulfill your your potential understand who you are understand what is your what is what you are best at what are your qualities your best qualities and invest in those qualities and become the best version of yourself in the long run and that's the best you can do apart from that it's about up to the politicians to change the system hmm okay let me see some other questions about education uh okay this is not about education okay chirag ask why is it that we have got so few competent good leaders almost negligible since 1947 after the independence from the british it's because the system is designed to promote <laughs> leaders who are mediocre the political system ensures that outsiders are kept out and only the powerful remain powerful and then their children come into the picture and they become powerful the political system ensures that the common man or woman cannot succeed in politics unless they become part of the system and make the same compromises you see it's like this everybody has the right to vote but does the system give you the right to stand for election does it give you a fair chance to win an election let's say you want to stand for election okay in some election let's say you want to stand for parliament as an independent and you go and register for the thing assuming that they don't throw out your your nomination you stand as a candidate do you stand any chance against other candidates from political parties they have hundreds of crores of rupees to throw in the election campaign to buy publicity and what not what do you have as an independent citizen you have nothing you don't have that sort of money which means that you will never stand a chance of winning an election 
So the system is designed in a way that it, it keeps the citizens out of the power structures. Only the powerful who became powerful because of the British, their descendants are still continuing. In certain political parties, you do have some more meritocracy. Our current prime minister has come up through a great deal of struggle. So there is meritocracy in that political party. In other parties, it's just one family that rules. I'm not talking about any single political party. There are many such examples. So that is the characteristic of our political system. And that is why it just keeps on producing the same kind of politician. That's the thing. Okay, I will take one more question and then we will be done for today. Gaurav Solanki asks, why not start a wiki with in real Indian history? Why not start a wiki with real Indian history? Community driven with the real experts. Well, who decides who is an expert? Where do we find these experts? And maintaining a wiki is an extremely time-consuming task. For somebody who has maybe an hour of spare time in his or her day, how does that person maintain a wiki? You need a great deal of investment. You need to hire people and so on. And who determines who's an expert? Everybody will put their hands up. I'm an expert. I'm an expert. But who, who curates the experts? You know? I mean, everybody's perception of who is an expert is different. Your perception will be different. My perception will be different. So that is the problem. What needs to happen is that the people we have elected need to drive this change. We are paying them to make the country better. We are paying them to administer and govern the country and to improve the system. That's what needs to happen. We can try this, but it is it is a very, very uphill task. This is, this is like a full-time job to start a wiki. And you need to write so much. I mean, creating a wiki, administering the site is one thing, but coming, but creating all the content is a very time-consuming job. It takes six months to one year to write a medium-sized book. A wiki is like thousands of books. So you would not need thousands of people. But then they will not all be experts, right? And then you run into the same quality issues. So that is the challenge that faces us. And that's why it is the government's job with all its immense resources and immense money to do these things. And thus far, they are abdicating the duty. So that is, so we have discussed some of the problems, many of the problems in the education system today. I am very thankful to all of you for asking these wonderful questions, very incisive questions, brilliant questions. I had no idea this topic would be so important to all of you. But thank you for all the questions. And so I'm going to end this now. But next week, so this is a warm-up session. We have just concluded. Next week, I'm going to do a proper presentation to all of you. I'm going to do a proper structured presentation of what the education system is like, what is the purpose of education, what is the history of what went wrong, what are the defects and problems in the current education system in India, and what are the solutions that I would implement if I had the chance. So that is what I will talk about next week. So to conclude, let me, uh, one second. To conclude, let me thank uh, Siddhan Singh and Lalit Mishra for their contribution. 
and for the support of to this, to this channel. And thank you, everybody. Thank you. Stay energetic. Thank you, everyone, for this wonderful session. And I will see you tomorrow. Thank you. Bye.